Hello, you, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. I'm super glad that you're here. As always, I have an amazing guest. In fact, this is it's one of my favorites. I know I say that about everybody, but this one, this person, you know, I've told you that I have been like the bouncer. Like everybody wants to talk to you guys. And I'm like, no, you have to be really interesting or else no cigar. And so I've been out fishing some people for you. And what is the criteria that they're really interesting to me? And today's guest is named Maz, which is kind of a strange name, Maz Farrelly. Her real name is Marion which is a lovely name, but she goes by Maz Farrelly. She is a reality television producer who's won a gazillion awards. Her content has been seen over 8 billion times on television. And she's going to talk to us today about getting attention and developing your X factor. So let me just tell you a little bit about Maz because I'm, I'm just beyond supremely excited. Uh, she's been to more showbiz parties than George Clooney's Knickers. And of course, Knickers, she's speaking British English. Is, she means underwear. <laughs> she's been down more red carpets than a Dyson vacuum cleaner. <laughs> uh, her contacts read like the toilet line at the Oscars and her bathroom is packed full of international awards, BAFTAs, which is like the British Oscar, Logies, Astra's Royal Television Society Awards, the whole kit and caboodle. Many, many awards because she's really good. And I've heard her speak. That's why I brought her to you about getting people's attention in such a distracted world. She has been the boss of the biggest television shows in the world with the biggest teams, budgets, audiences, and stars. Her content has been watched more than 8 billion times, and she once broke Twitter. That was before it was X. <laughs> Deliberately, Maz is on a mission to help the business world now. That's why she's willing to talk to you. She wants to help all of us find our X factor and deliver our message with the impact of a large cement fist in a soft cashmere glove. So that, by the way, is quite the bio. So those of you who want to spiff up your LinkedIn bio, you might want to listen to this again and get some ideas about making your bio interesting. And today's sponsor is not my book, like it is usually is. I am just going to make a pitch for you to get my newsletter if we're not already connected. You need to get on that list. And the way you do that is you visit my website. The website is simply speakupwithlaura.com. And I know there's a link in the show notes. Speakupwithlaura.com. You spend two seconds there. It'll pop up. Put in your email address. You don't even have to tell me your name. I might figure out what it is. And you'll get a weekly communication tip and a podcast episode. Hopefully you've already heard it by the time it gets to the newsletter. But we need to stay connected. We need to build this community. So that's our sponsor. And the second thing for you is that this is coming out in December. You can think of this as my holiday gift for you because this woman is in Australia. She didn't have to come. She's not getting paid for this. And you are going to love her. So would you please, pretty please, with sprinkles on top, leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. Just say it was life-changing. That's all you have to do. Put life-changing episode. Doesn't matter which one because they're all life-changing. And I appreciate that. That, that is, would be just a tremendous 
job, you know, as you might have heard, this podcast is now number two in the world for communication skills. We've worked up to number three. The number one guy is out of Stanford University. So we're going to crush him. We're going to show him who's the boss next year. That's my goal. We're going to make it to number one. And I need your help. I need you to write a podcast review and that will help us show who's the real boss of Communication Skill Podcast. All right, everybody. Now we're going to talk to Maz Farrelly. So, Maz, you don't know this, but when I was 12 years old, my mom took our television out of the house. So I missed out on all, on a lot. (laughs) And so I want to know, how did you get into reality television anyway? I know you don't do that anymore, but you were like a massive success in that business. Like, how did you get started? Why did you get started? Completely by accident. So I don't actually have a television which uh, friends find so peculiar. They go, so where's the TV room? You go, I don't have a TV room. They go, where's the telly? So I don't have a telly. I got into TV. (laughs) I got into TV because I wanted to make hard-hitting, political, life-changing television. And I remember on the day that Prince Edward married, whatever title she is, Sophie. So this is forever ago. And a friend calling me up and saying, there's a show called Big Brother. And it's about people sitting in a house and doing stuff. Would you like to work on it? I said, oh, right, okay. What do they do? And she said, well, they just don't do anything. I said, what? So people are going to watch people sitting around doing nothing. She said, yeah, it's the show. Said, yeah. I'm going to pass on that one. I can't see that one working. Cut to the biggest show on earth. I also didn't think the Spice Girls would work. They came into my office and sang. And I remember saying to my researcher at the time, Maggie, who's a genius, I said, I just can't, I don't get them. They, you know, they're not great at singing or dancing. And she said, these girls are going to be a success. So if you are going to take love advice or stock exchange advice for me, I wouldn't bother. But I am good at <laughs> connecting with audiences. Eventually, someone offered me a job on Big Brother, and it was the number one show at the time. So I thought, this world of watching people is fascinating. So I did it forever ago when social media wasn't a thing so you could do something on monday and it would be in the papers on tuesday and wednesday everyone has forgotten and i like that because i think if you make a mistake on monday it shouldn't follow you for the rest of your life and that's one of the reasons i got out of making tv what did they see in you like we have to have maz on this show i am i think reasonably good with people i'm a good storyteller i'm very very interested in people and why they do what they do So I would say I do some work with the police, bizarrely, and they like me and I like them because we watch people for a living and we watch them lying to us and we try and work out which are the lies and which are the truth. And that's very interesting to me. I'm obsessed by human behavior. I'm fascinated by how we can change it. And I'm very good at changing behavior. I can, we call it changing the temperature of a show, change the temperature of the house. So if the Big Brother house all sitting around doing nothing, that's not great television. And your job is to make great television. It's your actual job. Right. So you have to give them something to do to make them do something interesting so that viewers like it. Because if you're going to give me half an hour, an hour of your time, it is very disrespectful for me to give you something that is substandard. I will not let that happen. That will not happen on my watch. So I think I'm not hideous to work with. 
you know, on a good day, I'm reasonably good fun. And I have a great track record. So you make one Big Brother and you make it the number one show and then everyone wants you to make their show because these shows cost an enormous amount of money to make. They are make or break for a network. So if you don't goof up one, someone wants you to do the second one. If you don't goof up the second one, they want you to do the third. And, you know, they were all number one. So everyone wanted me to make reality. I don't like reality TV as a genre. I don't like it. I, well, I liked it at the beginning because it was fascinating because people mm-hmm. were on it because they were interesting people who wanted to do something interesting that hadn't been done before. And I'm very proud of moments in TV. Uh, you know, I think we had the first openly gay, queer person to win a major broad stream TV show. We had the first trans person to win a major broad appeal TV show. We had the first person with Tourette's to win a broad appeal in a mainstream TV show. Right. So I think when reality is done very beautifully, it's incredible and it changes society. When it's done badly, it's mean and it's unkind and I don't like it. With your fresh eyes, because you must see things that other people don't see. That's got to be part of your superpower. So when you get to Big Brother and you're like, these guys aren't doing anything, like, did you like right away? No, no, they need to be baking. We're going to make them bake cookies or what did you, what was your process? I am a very simple thinker. And I think that might be my superpower that I'm very clear. I think this isn't interesting. I'm good at making telly because I have a very short attention span. I am bored very easily and I don't have much of a poker face. (laughs) So you generally know when I'm bored. Uh, I would look at them and think this isn't great television. They've forgotten they're in a competition to win this and I need to remind them. So I need to create an event that will remind them they're in competition with each other. So why don't we put a basketball hoop in the garden and say to them, put yourselves in order of who deserves to have a hot meal and a hot shower first. Now, there's no one who's going to go, oh, I definitely don't deserve anything nice. (laughs) And I'd say to them before they went in, you know, before people go on the show, I say to them, look, we will do stuff that's going to be challenging for you. Please know it's always coming from a place of love and kindness and humour. But we will, if you're sitting around doing nothing, we will make you do something because Mm -hmm. you're not on holiday. You're on a TV show and there is a big difference. And I have a job to do. I'm not running a holiday camp. If I was, it would be marvellous because there would be no one writing about this show and we wouldn't be in the papers and, you know, the government would be trying to shut us down. We'd all be just drinking cocktails. It would be marvellous. And I would also be very honest with them and say, do you want to be on the number one show or the number seven show? And they'd say number one. (laughs) Great, then we'll make this great. I'm, I'm in the business of making this number one. I'm in the business of being the number one speaker and the number one trainer. I'm in the business of, you know, making, when I was making TV shows, I was in the business of being number one, not number two or five or seven. Someone else could do that. And that's fine. If you want to be number two, five or seven, brilliant. But I was very singular. I want to be number one. I want the show to be number one. I want these viewers to have the most incredible experience when they're with me. I want to respect their time and give them the absolute best quality product. It is available in the marketplace. I want them to love this experience with me. Giving time 
is transactional. It's even called spending time, giving time. So if I am giving you my time, I want something that I want to be entertained. I want to forget how hard my life is and how awful those children are that I'm teaching or how difficult it is working down a mine in hot weather or being a care worker right? and having to bathe people you don't know. You know, all of those things that are hard in life. I'm very aware that I'm in a privileged position. There are people that aren't. So I want to give them the best experience. Whatever the show is, doesn't matter whether I like the show or not. The most important thing is I respect my audience and I give them something incredible. So that is what I thought all the time. If you're giving me your time, I have to give you the best product it's possible for me to give you. And that is why my shows were number one. I cared more and I tried harder. And when people said to me, I think it's fine, I would say to them, fine is fine for someone else. But we're brilliant. We're not fine. We're much better than that. And I would say to people, you know, if you want this job, it will be a little bit harder. But you will leave here earning twice as much money as your friends. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. will leave here Mm -hmm. so qualified. This show will be number one. Everyone will be talking about it. You're one of the producers. You could ask for any amount of money when you leave. People will recommission this show because we've made it work. So I can give all of you jobs next year. You can pay your mortgage for another year if we're really clever. And that matters to me. That's awesome. And you know what? When you're talking about your drive for perfection almost, you you didn't use that word, but that had to be number one. It had to be the best. And that's a quality of luxury brands. I learned that that they want to be the best. They have to be like 10 times better than everybody else. That is what it takes, I think, a commitment to that. It is. And it's also making sure people know that you are the luxury brand and positioning yourself in the marketplace as such. There's no point in being incredible and making beautiful things if no one knows you exist. So you then have to communicate that to the world and let them know that you are brilliant and wonderful and ethical and kind and clever and, you know, whatever else you are. But luxury brands are all about positioning yourself in the marketplace because I will say this to you, Clever Laura, leather is leather and cotton is cotton and wool is wool. Now, I'm looking over there and I have a Nomes bag and it costs an enormous amount of money. I will use it for the rest of my life. I invest in nice things and I keep them forever. But it is still a piece of leather that someone has stitched. Now, they didn't stitch it with magic cotton. <laughs> they stitched it with <laughs> cotton. However, I will pay more money for it because when I pick it up, I feel wonderful. I feel, oh, I love you, bag. Let's go out to Stead's birthday. Come on, let's go. Whatever it is we're doing, my bag and I go out and we have a really nice time. We come home and we look after each other. I go, pop you on the cupboard. You stay in there until tomorrow, my friend. But it's a bag that I'm buying, but it is still leather. I mean, it's probably a little bit better than all the other leather available. So I find that really interesting. It's about positioning and it's about positioning yourself in the marketplace. And I would say to all of your clever people who are listening, think about your positioning constantly. Sweat over it. What do you look like in meetings? Do you look like you belong there? If you don't, then you need to. You need to look like someone I want to invite to a meeting because you're reflecting me. In TV, everyone looks great. You just do. You know, people dress because they get it. They get that if they look great, people will notice them. If you look like everybody else in your company, you look like everybody else. You don't have my attention. I did some work with a very senior TV person in the States. And two things that I can share with your beautiful, beautiful, clever listeners. 
he didn't think he was being noticed for being creative. And because I'm a very simple soul, and I like to think of things very simply, which is why I'm good at this, I said, okay, every time you're in a meeting, say this. As the creative guy, I would suggest we do this. As the creative guy, I've done a bit of research into this and I've noticed, as the creative guy, he said, uh, will it sound repetitive? And I said, no, I mean, I wouldn't say eight times in the meeting, but I would throw it in three times. And he won an award at his company. It's a very, 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 very big company. And he sent me a picture and it was this massive screen. And he's dressed in white because I said to him, just wear white. doesn't matter what time of year it is. You wear white. You wear winter white. You wear summer white. You wear white shirts. You wear white. You just wear white. So if anyone says, who's X? The guy, bloke who always wears white. He's the guy who always wears white. He's the fellow. Who's, he's the guy in white. And that's very creative, by the way. It's very creative. And he won the award and it had his name and a photograph of him. And underneath it said, the creative guy. Oh my gosh. And that's only a, a little teeny tiny X factor, but the creative guy. It's a teeny weeny, but if you repeat something over and over again, people will repeat it back to you. And I have studied people for 30 years. I spent 30 years making television and all I did was watch people. I watched people. And I say to everyone, because people say, you know, this person's doing this or this or this. And I always say, look at the motivation. What's their motivation? There will always be motivation. When you walk into every room, every meeting, every client, what is their motivation? What are their problems? How can you solve them? What matters to them? What is it? And try and solve that. Understand them. If you understand people, the world is yours. And it doesn't matter. They can be above you several levels, right? And you think, oh, I, that person is too senior. I can't possibly understand them. But you can. You can. I thought this when I was running TV shows. So I was the boss of them. You know, I was the big mm -hmm. boss. But all I was was just the same as everyone else, but with a different job. Someone has to run it. Right. And I had that job. Now, if the runners don't switch all the lights on and if the lighting people don't switch all the lights on the stage and if the catering people don't feed people and if the transport people don't transport people the show will die now if i don't turn up the show will go on <laughs> so i'm the <laughs> least useful person on the team my job is done up front can i make sure that everyone does their job and as soon as everyone's doing their job Obviously, I am the creative influence on it. So I will say, you know, not good Obviously. enough, not good enough, change this, right. let's do this. But actually, in practical terms, you could lose me. So we all are a team. Hierarchy bothers me a little bit because I think we all matter and we are all VIPs. It's just people have a different job. So everybody is approachable if you approach them with the right motivation and you understand them and you are interesting. And that is my friends the key okay to be interesting and and the x factor is what's going to make you interesting and i'm going to quote you you know this quote that's coming it's not my job to be interested it's your job to be interesting that's a maz proverb yeah i mean we are talking now because a very very interesting man called adam morgan invited me onto his podcast which is all about being interesting. 
Yeah, that's where and, I found you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was saying to him, I know it's a strange thing to say, and it sounds quite brutal, but hope is not a strategy in life. <laughs> you have to be interesting. If you're interesting, people are interested. If you're not interesting, people aren't. And it really is that brutal. If TV isn't interesting in the first 10 seconds, you're gone and you will never come back. And that cannot happen because that's That's $30 million down the drain and a thousand people out of work. Now that can't happen. If you go into a meeting and the first two minutes are dull, how does that work? He said something very interesting, Adam. He said, is there ever a time in your life and in your business where you could create two piles of work and say, I could be really dull during these, all of this, but I have to be interesting for this. Or do you actually have to be interesting all the time? So anyone who is listening now, I would say, contact Laura and say, I really need to be dull. <laughs> if you need to be dull for work, contact her, let her know. Yes. Because I tell you what, everyone needs to be interesting. Everybody, everybody in every walk of life. I agree. And I find one of the reasons I do what I do is I, f- I found my short stint in corporate America, just the, so much time and energy wasted on boring, redundant conversations that were going nowhere. And it was just driving me mad. Why is that? It's like, why is the default? It is disrespectful. Thank you. Yes, it's wasting. I, and it's not good stewardship of resources. You know, we get very cross about wasting food. We get very cross yes. about wasting waste. I get very cross about wasting time Mm -hmm. because I think this is your life. Now, you can have more food. You can have a bigger car. You can have a larger house. You cannot have more time. You're allotted a certain amount of time. And guess what? When it's over, you're not buying anymore. It's done. If someone is giving you their time, it is disrespectful to treat it with anything other than love and care and to make it as entertaining as you can. Have you ever been somewhere that was great and entertaining and thought, do you know, I wish that was a bit less entertaining. I really wish that had been a bit more boring. You know, that play was great. What I really was hoping for was not a 10 on 10. I was hoping for a six. You know, I just didn't want to be quite so entertained. I didn't want that meeting to be so short and so dynamic. I really didn't. I mean, it's ludicrous. For some reason, people think that when we walk through the door of work or we switch on our laptop, we're fine to be bored. No, 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 no. It, it's and it, but it's partly fear driven. It's partly I I just want to do what what I'm supposed to do. My work should speak for itself, and I'm just here to solve this problem and answer questions. But if no one knows that you're doing a brilliant job, exactly. Some bosses will promote their people, but not all of them. And it's still not sufficient because of your boss's top 20 problems. Best case scenario, you're 21. And that's on a good day. Absolutely. And also telling the industry about your business in an interesting way. Mm -hmm. You want Mm -hmm. your business to last forever, don't you? You want to have a job this time next year. Then you better make it interesting because everyone you meet is a possible business lead. If you're at a barbecue and someone says, what do you do? and you say something interesting, they will say these five words, these words are very important, and they are. That's interesting. Tell me more. Now, when you say that, it's the start of a business conversation. I'm sitting 
with blankets and cushions around me to, you know, dull out the sound. And someone sold those. Someone walked into a room and they were interesting enough for someone to buy them. This cup that I'm drinking from, someone was interesting enough for someone to say, oh, really? So it's a travel mug that's very, very light and thin, but it holds the heat for, what, five hours? That's incredible. Wow. And by the way, you can drop it out of a window. You could have a plane run over it and it would still keep its shape. And you go, my goodness, I buy them as presents for everyone. You know, at some point, Laura, you will have one of these cups because I will give it to you. I'm obsessed with them. It's interesting. It is interesting. If you're interesting, it's the start of a business. And if you're not interesting, it's the end of a business. And it sounds brutal and cruel. And the only reason I say it is I want everyone to succeed. I want you all to be promoted and earn more money. And I want your businesses to go on forever. And I want you to beat your competition. And you will do that if you tell the world how brilliant you are in a way that is captivating. And it's not easy, but it is actually your job. I love that. Let me just repeat that. Be captivating, captivate people, be interesting. And that increases the perceived value. And I guess perceived value and value because perceived value is the value. If you're the more interesting engineer on the team, you're going to go places. When I used to pitch TV shows, uh, we would talk about the power of cake. So if we were going into a network, they might hate our idea. But they would love seeing us because we would bring loads of cakes from really great companies. So we would bring the cream of the cakes of Australia to these meetings. Mm -hmm. And we would always bring too many cakes. We would bring one for the assistant who had very kindly booked us in. And we would say, this is for you. We know it's your favourite. Pop one in the fridge for tomorrow. Eat one now. We've brought you two. Don't put them on the table. These are for you. Yours. The rest of them, happily, throw them in there. Now we would bring way too much cake. Why? So this is back in the days when people were in offices. So if you're in an office, do Mm -hmm. this. Why would we bring too much cake, Laura? What happens to cake when the meeting is finished? People eat it. They gather it. They divide it up. Exactly. It goes into the kitchen. So it's in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. You walk into the kitchen. You go, hey, there's cake. Who brought cake? Is it someone's birthday? They go, no, Maz was in. Maz was pitching a TV show. What was that? We like Maz. She always brings cake. Yes, she does always bring cake. I like Maz. (laughs) I'm always going to be invited in. Now you pick up that cake and you go back to your desk, Laura. And the person you sit next to says, Laura Bear, you've got cake. Where'd you get the cake? And you say, Maz was in. They go, I like Maz. She always brings cake. They go, yes, she does. Why was she here? And suddenly you're (laughs) repeating my idea to the person next to you. You weren't in the room. You were in the kitchen. And suddenly within the ABC, the BBC, I've gone viral. There are people sitting at their desks enjoying a cake and talking about me. And maybe someone will say, do you know what? I've been looking for a show like that. I'll give her a ring. Wow. Because of cake. I mean, that's just one. There's a thousand little variables, but that's one. It's just brilliant. You've got to think about them and not you. Think about your audience. Think mm-hmm. about your mm-hmm. audience. I sweat about my audience. I sweat about you. I just want to make the best thing possible for you. If I'm having a meeting with you, I want it to be the best meeting. We arrive early. We're beautifully dressed. We know more about the company than they do. We know more about the network. We know more about the shows. We know more about the ratings from last night. We are really, really, really well prepared. This show worked for you. We've got something a little bit like this. We're thinking Thursday at o'clock, it'll bring this kind of audience. Your points will go up. You could win the year. It's not about, we'd like to make this show because... X. Who cares what right. I want? 
It's about what they want. It's about your audience. How can you fix their problems? And by the way, how can you make it a pleasurable experience? We prepare our pictures. We rehearse them. We make sure they're funny and they're clever and they're surprising. Works. But you can do that with an engineering with product review. Yeah. You, you have, have five great, minutes. You can do it with you. You're going in for your personal review to see whether you're going to mm-hmm. get a pay rise or not. Prepare. Go in there. Flatter your boss. I love that you did this and this and this. This has changed. The profits are up. We've employed three new people. You're a genius. By the way, I'm very proud to have been part of that. In some small way, I contributed because, of course, I did the X. And then, you know, this happened from that and it led to Y. And I'm so pleased that you gave me the opportunity to do that. By the way, here's some cake. Now, that is (laughs) a meeting. It's going to go pretty well for you because you're thinking about your audience. and You're not going in and going, I want a bit more money because I want to buy a ridiculous bag. You kind of go, well, no, that's oh, not I work, need it. it. I need it. People saying that they need the money. Well, that doesn't. They need the money. You go, well, that's not my problem. My problem is <laughs> right. I've got to make the number one show. If you come in and you say, <laughs> I am going to, you know, I say to people, so when I go and speak and when I go into companies, I do lots of offsites, lots of away days. And I say to them, you have a money back guarantee. If this doesn't work, I will not charge you. But it will work because I'm a producer. I will sweat bullets thinking about how to make this perfect for you i will know about your company and your audience and their ages and their cultural references and i know how to connect i know how to get people to change their behavior because for 30 years that's what i did at an olympic standard and people say that was a really interesting session you say i'm a producer it's my job (laughs) from entertaining people to changing their behaviors how does that connect so Grab a pen or a piece of parchment or a tattoo needle or whatever it is that you write with and write I'm down writing. Be entertaining. Okay. One. So, and that can be entertaining. It doesn't mean come in and do a song and a dance. It means come in and grab my attention. But if you can sing, I have a client who actually <laughs> do- sang at a, at a dinner. Brilliant. Brilliant. But he was a trained singer. Oh, that's right. We did, um, I did some work with some people who are doing medicinal marijuana. And their big point of difference is that it's safe. It's 100% safe. And if you take uh, normal medicines, there will be a 3% chance that it could go wrong. Now, 3% Mm -hmm. sounds very little. And I said, okay, so what I want you to do when people come in, they were pitching to raise money, to raise capital. I said, okay, what I want you to do, and this is quite out there, so this is not for everyone, but this particular company, they were very rock and roll and they wanted to do something big. It's okay. So you can say 3% of medicines will cause harm or will cause harm for 3% of the takers. Now, that sounds quite a small amount. It's not very impressive, is it, at the beginning right. of the pitch? And I said, okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to buy 100 guns. I want you to put them on the table. And then I want you to say, when they come in, sit down. Three of these are loaded. Pick one up. Point it at your colleague and fire. Oh my gosh. Are you going to do that? Or would you like all of the guns not to be loaded? Now, 3% sounds really small until you have three loaded guns on the table. That is not small. That is a figure I am not buying into, thank you. How much money would you like? Right. That's a brilliant illustration. Brilliant. You have to engage. Now, you can do that for business. I don't work in medical marijuana. I don't work for pharmaceuticals. You know, I engage audiences and I think. That's why I'm a creative thinker. My brain is a very creative brain. 
I can't do other stuff. Don't take stock exchange advice from me or love advice. It will be a catastrophe, but I'm very, very good at what I do. So when you are entertaining, and it can be, that's an entertaining way to start a pitch. You have my attention. You have my attention. So you're entertaining. Your audience is engaged. Entertaining equals engaged. When your audience is entertained, they are engaged. Go to comedy, see how many people are on their phones. No one. When you're entertained, you are engaged. When you're engaged, you have my attention. And now you have to transfer that attention into action. Now that you have my attention, how do you convert that into action? Because the most important thing is the attention. If you can't get attention, there's no conversion. So you have to be entertaining. You have to grab my attention. When you have my attention and I'm engaged, you then take action. So in TV, we get people to vote for people they don't know and outcomes that do not affect them. And they pay us. They give us money to vote. It is the maddest situation on earth. <laughs> this is crazy. More young people voted, Laura. This is my favourite fact. More young people voted for the winner of Britain's Got Talent than in the general election. Because you don't have to vote in the UK. Oh it's not compulsory. God. More young people voted for the winner of Britain's Got Talent then who was going to run the country? Arms, education, taxation, safety. Their future. (laughs) Their future. (laughs) They were more engaged by television. And that's because we're brilliant and engaging Mm -hmm. people. And I had a meeting with the government here about a topic. And it was back when I made television. And we were pitching an idea about dementia, a show for dementia that we wanted to make because we wanted to try and change dementia for Australians. And when we finished the meeting, the minister said, what else do you do? And I said, well, interestingly, I get people to vote. And I went, oh, my God, you do. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm an awful lot better at it than you are. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, you are. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, people pay me for the privilege of voting. I mean, it's madness. It is madness. But if you are entertaining your audience is engaged. And when I say your audience, I don't mean you're standing on a stage. I mean in a meeting. No, no, no. One-on-one. The meeting, the presentation. Everyone is an audience. Everybody is an audience. When they are engaged, you can ask them to take action. So it's three steps. If you're entertaining, people are engaged. If they're engaged, you can ask them to take action. It's a formula that works for any situation in your life. If you are dating and you're entertaining and you're fun and you're, you know, fun. And you're going to go, you know, I'd really like to maybe meet you again. Or why don't you come back to mine for a coffee? And then it's action time. But it works. It works for absolutely everything. If you are good at this, I say to people, you get paid and laid more. And it works. <laughs> well, there you go. But Maz, what about the people that feel like they're not entertaining? Even Adam Morgan said this on on the interview with, eat big fish people that know me know i'm just a groupie drooling fan of eat big fish he's wonderful they're wonderful now i would say to you is adam interesting and entertaining i mean his work is i don't know i interviewed his partner his um a beautiful constraint i thought was a masterpiece of a book genius now adam is not jazz hands he's not a game show host but he's really entertaining 
because he's engaging. When he talks, you lean forward. Now, people mistake entertaining for jazz hands, for Kiss or, you know, Beyonce. Right. The most interesting people are not loud. They're interesting. You can be the craziest introvert, but be really engaging. You don't have to come in and sing, but you do have Mm -hmm. to be interesting. And you can whisper interesting. You can whisper it. And if it's interesting, it works. The people who were selling the medicinal marijuana wanted to raise money. They weren't jazz hands. But if you walk into a room and there are 100 guns on the table, that's interesting before anyone's spoken. You don't have to say another word. You just say, modern medicine, 3% chance that it will harm (laughs) you. Pick up a gun, point it at someone. (laughs) Now you have their attention. They're entertained. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even a joke or anything humorous at all. It's unexpected. It's the unexpected. Great speeches. You know, Martin Luther King didn't have a musical accompaniment and dancers for his speech. He just said beautiful words, quietly and gently, that were so important. And they changed the world. Now, you can do that. It doesn't have to be jazz hands. But I tell you what he did do beforehand. He prepared and he thought and he wrote it and he rewrote it and he rewrote it and he asked his friends and he said, will this stick with people? Is it sticky? Is it information that I will repeat? Will people hear this and notice and care about it? And they did. So for us to be more entertaining, we have to know our audience and we have to think about just be creative and think of a different way of saying what you say. Like the gun example. I know I heard another example of yours. I'll share with the audience real quick. She was working with a group that was collecting money for veterans, basically. And they did it through like selling flowers. And the person said he was selling flowers to help the veterans. And Maz said, no, 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 no. You're selling thank yous. Thank you, veteran. And I just thought that was a, totally captured the essence of the work in a much more, I mean, just like thousand quantum improvement in the messaging there, selling thank yous to our veterans. Yep. Most people cannot tell you what they're selling. So there's a very clever man here called Mark Boris here in Australia, and he was the boss of the Celebrity Apprentice. And One of our media moguls, who's the equivalent of Murdoch, said to him one day, and Mark had a company that sold mortgages, said, what business are you in, Mark? A guy called Kerry Packer. What's your business, Mark? And Mark said he was about to say, I sell mortgages. And Kerry said to him, before you say you sell mortgages, you don't sell mortgages, right? And Mark said he sat there and he thought, I sell mortgages. What is this man talking about? I have no idea. I don't know what he's talking about. And eventually, Kerry said, you don't even know what you're selling, Mark, do you? He said, you don't. You're selling dreams. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. sell the dream, the dream of owning that home, the dream of being able to give that home to your children so they have a financial future. You can add more bricks on top of those bricks, and you can have another floor. You can hang anything on the walls because you own them. Right. You're selling the dream of owning that home. You're not selling a mortgage. You're selling dreams. And I think sometimes we are selling flowers and we're forgetting that we're selling 
thank yous to people who've been to war for people like me who are too lazy to do it and too afraid. Right. That's what you're selling. You're not selling flowers. You're not selling mortgages. You're selling something that's so much bigger than that. You know, I sell interesting. I help people have the X factor. Is there anyone who'd say, do you know what? I really wouldn't like that. Would you please not give me the X factor? I'd love it if I didn't have it. I mean, no. Everybody wants that. And I think even if you're an employee in in engineering or finance, like you're selling confidence that your money's going to be safe or that the bank's going to be safe or you're selling a future, like the company's going to be here in the next 10 years or something. It's what happens as a result of the work you do, not the work you do. It absolutely is. And you think money now, you know, we worried about saving and now we worry about being hacked. You know, it's very different. Banks are doing a completely different job now. They're detectives. It's a different job. And your job mm-hmm. is constantly evolving. A very friend, a clever friend of mine, Lucian James, if you can find his website and uh, go onto his newsletter, it's brilliant. Lucian says he has a cleaner, not for the cleanly. I don't need the cleanly. I need the time. So actually what I'm buying for my cleaner is time. And what they're selling is time. And the lovely clean house makes me feel better. But I could do it myself. I'm not going to. And he would do, as I would do with my cleaning lady, I would do a better job. (laughs) But but I'm trading off. It's a trade-off. Yeah, absolutely. I will accept a reasonable clean that is acceptable. If anyone comes around, they don't think I live in the hovel. I'm happy with that right. because I've got the time. So I will give you money, but you're not giving me the smell of polish. You're giving me time. Right. What is it that you are selling? You know, if you can say, I'll clean your house and you'll have time for a cocktail, you wouldn't have. You're going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Or the energy to read a story to your kids at night, you know. Yeah. What is your unique selling point? You know, everyone has one. At work, I find that people do the opposite. So people try and be like everyone else. It's like we're all eight and we're afraid of being different at school. And you say, the people who are noticed in life are the people who are different. It's wonderful to be different. In casting, we want you to be different. I do lots of talks for schools and I speak to kids and young people about the fact that different is wonderful. It's all we're looking for in TV. If you're different, there is every chance you'll win this. If you're like everyone else, It's very hard for me to book you or get excited about you because you're like everyone else. I can book anyone. If you're different, you have a point of difference. If you disagree with me in every meeting, you're very valuable. If you agree with me, what's the point? I've already got my opinion. Don't need you. I do need people in the room who say, are you sure that's going to work? And suddenly I'm a bit smarter, a bit cleverer because I'm thinking, well, maybe it won't. It's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. So we always try and kill ideas before we take them to market. We will do everything we can to kill it. If it's still living, it goes to market. But we think we'll kill it before you do. If it's still living, there's every chance it will be a success. We don't do it with money. We don't negotiate. I find that women do this a lot. They'll negotiate themselves down before they've even gone into the meeting. You think, don't even bother with the meeting. <laughs> Just, why don't you stay at home and negotiate yourself down, love? Yes. So if you cannot negotiate yourself down, don't. But it is your job to be interesting. It's their job to be interested in your interesting. And it's your job to be unique, to explain how you can solve their problems, why you are different. It's your job to grab their attention, to be entertaining, to engage them, and then get them to take the action you would like them to take. 
And you said it wasn't easy. And what you were just saying about killing your ideas before you sent them to the public to kill them, that, ta- that requires discipline. That's that's tedious. That's putting in so much more work. Oh, it's heartbreaking. We don't put things on there that won't work. You know, we will forensically examine every idea and think, will this work? Is this good? You know, we put twins into the house on Big Brother. So one Big Brother I did, we were doing the auditions and this guy came in and he was he was entertaining, he was charming, he was lovely. A real Aussie bloke. But he wasn't wildly different. But, you know, it's nice to have a good, you know, a good Aussie bloke. Kind of normal person. <laughs> yeah, normal person, but a bit better. A bit better than mm-hmm. me. Okay. You know, I, I'm normal. He's someone you'd put on TV. And then 10 minutes later, he walked back in. I said, oh, hello. You know, you're giving yourself double the chance. And he went, no, you met my twin. <laughs> really? I said, my God, that's, that's incredible. You look just like him. He said, yeah, hence twin. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so afterwards, we were talking about it and we said, first week of a show, prime real estate got to grab attention, grab attention. So we put everyone into the house and at the end of the show, we said, okay, so here's the thing. See Logan in there? He has a twin and we're going to swap them. We're going to swap them. We're going to invite Logan into the diary room and then we're going to send his brother back out and see if anyone notices. And my boss said, let's do it during the day and do it on tape. So we'll show it that night. And I said, no, let's do Mm -hmm. it live. Let's do it live because if it works, we're brilliant. If it doesn't work, five million people will laugh their heads off and go, you idiots. (laughs) And we'll be front page of every paper and it'll be on the news. We can't not win here. We're in a win, 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 win situations. If it works, we're brilliant. If it fails, we're brilliant because we're gutsy and we tried it and we got it wrong and we can laugh at ourselves and we go, do you know what? We tried this. We got it wrong. Aren't we idiots? It worked. No one guessed. Awesome. We t- changed and changed and changed. Eventually we got one into the diary room. They both walked out and everyone's like, what? What's going on? They went, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've both been in here, but you didn't know. So good ideas come from everywhere. Good ideas exist everywhere. You have to find them and you have to think and you can be lazy or you can think a bit harder. And I would suggest everyone thinks a bit harder. Just think a bit harder. Think a bit harder, 1% harder than everyone else in your industry, and you'll be 1% better, and you only need to be 1% better to win. That is so awesome. Maz, how can people bring you all the way from Australia to, I don't know, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Charleston, Atlanta? I work in the States. I work all over the world. I particularly love working in the States. I'm definitely back in October 24. I suspect I will probably be in the States in June or July of 24. But if lots of people book me, I will just come. I work between Australia, the UK, Asia, and the States. And I really like working in the States because you have a confidence that the rest of the world doesn't have. There's a TV show in the UK called Faking It. And it's about pretending that you are a DJ and can people tell that you're not who you are? So they have three DJs, which one's the real one, which one's the fake? And generally, people are going, oh my God, I'll never be able to achieve this. I'll never be able to achieve this. I'll never be able to achieve this. And I said to the company, why don't you make this in the States? And they said, because nobody would be sitting there saying, I cannot do this. Everyone would say, oh God, <laughs> it's nailed. I know. <laughs> Brilliant. can it be <laughs> <It's> exactly <laughs> i love that attitude because 
hold yourselves true. back. You'll give it a go. You'll yeah. go, yeah, how hard can it be? I'll give it a crack. And that's <laughs> exactly. wonderful. So I love, I love <laughs> working with people in the States because you don't want to be fifth or sixth. You want to be number one. And that's where I play. I think I will work with you if you want to be number one because I will do everything I can to get you there. And I mean it. I'm a very competitive person. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. Well, we're going to leave your website in the show notes. And I don't know if there's any other. Would you like people to LinkedIn. reach out to you through your LinkedIn? Okay. I really like LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I'm Maz Speaks. So Maz, Maz Speaks. speaks. Like Maz, okay. Maz speaks. I'll, I'll link. Make friends that. with me. Yeah, on LinkedIn. Yes. I'm very good at replying to LinkedIn. You are. Uh, and I kind of li- I, I like it. I don't know why I, I like LinkedIn. I just do. You're a joy. Can I just say this out loud? Congratulations, been number two. I would be very surprised if you're not number one in a couple of weeks. No, that's the goal. I'm going to crush the guy who's number one is at Stanford University, and I'm going to crush him. Is we're going to be you, number one in uh, the next year? So yeah, for sure, we're going to do it. Everyone who's listening, if you're listening to the man from Stanford, delete his podcast <laughs> from your feed, and only. Listen to Laura and share. Laura, do it today. Share this with three people that you think might benefit from it. Just share it with three friends and say, next time you're walking the dog or having a beer or going for a swim or going for a walk, listen to this. Listen to Laura. And if you like it, share it with three people. And let's be number one. Into God's ears. Thank you so much. This is awesome. (laughs) And I'll catch everybody on the next episode.